as I start off today, I want to begin with a bit of show and tell. And I have a box, one of two boxes of memorabilia that I keep. Uh, this box is all stuff that I owned before I turned 18 years of age. This is my band jacket from high school. I have my class ring in here, report cards, newspaper articles, um, all kinds of stuff. Uh, uh, and, and here's the thing, I've never attended a high school reunion, never. I've never had an opportunity to wear this at age 40 or 50 and go, oh, it still fits. Like I've never had that opportunity. In fact, this box sits in my basement untouched and unused. I'm holding on to it so that I can pass it down to my children. <laughs> you have stuff, you have stuff that you're holding on to. You have stuff that you're holding on to, stuff that you use, uh, stuff that you need. As I look around the room today, all of you are wearing clothes. Thank you very much, right? Thank you very much. Stuff that you use, stuff that you need, stuff that you store but don't use or don't need, and then stuff that you have an emotional attachment to. I have a pair of scissors that sits on my desk that cannot cut anything. It cannot cut paper, it cannot cut your skin. It, is, it has no use as a pair of scissors. Why do I keep it? Because it, at age six or seven, John Mark wrote his name on this pair of scissors and it's got my son's handwriting when he was a kid. So I keep it in my thing and occasionally somebody will need to borrow scissors, right? <laughs> That's not why I keep the scissors. I also have a little coaster he made at age four. Now that I use, I actually put my coffee mugs on top of that. But I've got, I've got things that I keep that I have an emotional attachment to that there's no reason I have it. So I have some Snoopy cross-stitched pictures that my friend Sue Talbert made for me back in the 90s. Can, do you know where it lives? It lives in a box in my basement. It does. I don't put them up. On, you want to know why I don't use them or put them up? I hate cross-stitching. So I know some of you are already, oh, we're so pranking you. You're getting a Star Trek cross-stitch, right? No, I will burn it. Burn it, okay? Forget the burn ban, I'll set it on fire. Okay, so like cross, does that make me a bad friend? No, it does not make me a bad friend. See, if, if I have a problem in my life, it's that I have too much stuff. It, the problem that I have is not that I have too little. The problem that I have is that I have too much. And as an American, you have the same problem. You do because in America, you embark on this lifelong journey of blind accumulation. It, you're like a singularity in space that's called a black hole. And it sucks every, the gravity well just pulls. You can be a galaxy class starship, doesn't matter. It's sucking you in like it. So American life works that way. And there's the stuff that you've bought that you've bought from Amazon and Walmart and Target. And let's be honest, most of that is just cheap junk from China. And then there's the stuff that other people have bought for you. Again, from 
Amazon and Walmart and Target. And again, that's mostly just cheap junk from China. And then there's the stuff that's been given to you. Some of it's been new. And then some of it's been like your parents or friends of your parents or whatever. And like, oh, we don't need this anymore. Maybe you could use this, right? And now you've got stuff that you didn't even need or think you needed. And now you have it, okay? In the 1980s, my mom's mother, whom I called Nana Angel, gave me a complete set of Bill Cosby sweaters. I understand today, right, today, that has a really bad connotation. But in the 1980s, oh, that was, you know, that was the thing. And she got these sweaters from Saks Fifth Avenue. These were not cheap sweaters. And so I got them for Christmas, complete set. There were like nine of them. So I could go like almost two weeks straight, you know, rotating out my sweaters. Do you know what happened to them? They lived in my closet for a decade. And then after 10 years, I felt it was okay to give them to Goodwill. Because I don't wear Bill Cosby sweaters. This is a Fred Rogers sweater. This is the kind of sweaters that I wear. I'm not a Bill Cosby, I'm a Fred Rogers, okay, kind of guy. And so my Nana Angel just didn't do that. So for most of us, the question, the question really isn't why do I have fill in the blank? Why do I have a car? Why do I have a house? Why do I have a computer? Why do I have this pair of shoes? The question is really, why do I have two cars or five computers? Why do I have 10 pairs of shoes? Like that's the question that plagues most of us is why do I have so much and why do I have too many? And if you think I'm crazy, just as a, as a practical point this week, just count the number of stuffed animals some of your kids have, right? We're talking over 100, and they all have names, okay? okay. All, you can't get rid of Pinky, okay? So I've been down that road. So I've got a couple of questions to start us off today that I'll come back to in a minute. Uh, and the, the first question is, how much is enough? How much is enough? And then secondly, what are you holding on to? What are you holding on to? Now, only in America could we have a show called hoarders, right? Only in America could we do this. In many other countries, like you can't even do this. This isn't even possible with what's in the house. But in America, man, it doesn't matter. And it doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, you can have lots of stuff. Uh, you can have rooms where there's a pathway to get somewhere, okay? So um, here's some pictures. Oh, now you all are judging, okay? So like these people, they, you know, and that was from Aunt Lurleen and she can't get rid of that. And you know, there's all this stuff, right? And so it kind of accumulates. Here's a lady on one of the episodes of Hoarders, okay? In some parts of the world, in some parts of the world on the continent of Africa, in provinces of Asia and in provinces of China, they only have one pair of shoes. They only have one pair of shoes. And then when they come in, they leave it at the door. In America, in America, the average man has 12 pairs of shoes and the average woman has 27 pairs of shoes. Because this is church and I have to be honest, I went and counted mine, right? So that I could give you an accurate report. I was shocked. <laughs> I was shocked and may need an intervention. Lower, thank the, lower <laughs> by one. I had, <laughs> I had 17 p 
pairs of shoes. Now that's dress shoes, kayaking shoes, mowing shoes, mucking through the muck shoes. That's every, the shoes that are in the garage, the shoes that are by the suits, like every single pair. But even, so if there's one website I should not be on for the rest of this year, what's the name of the website? Zappos, exactly. You should not be seeing a Zappos uh, thing come to, my, come to my door. So today, I wanna look at a story from the Gospel of Luke, a story that Jesus told, because once again, we Americans, we tend to look up the economic food chain at people who have more than we do, and we think to ourselves, must be nice, never realizing that there are people below the economic food chain looking at us Americans and going, must be nice, right? And so I wanna look at this parable that Jesus told in Luke chapter 12. And if you brought a paper Bible, that's where we are, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 12, verses 13 through 21. And we'll be going verse by verse almost. Someone called from the crowd, teacher, please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. Jesus is teaching in a large crowd. There's hundreds and hundreds of people milling about and a man poses a question. And if you've read what Jesus had been teaching on, you know that this man wasn't paying attention at all to what Jesus has said because he asked this question that everybody would have been like, dude, have you not been listening to what he just said? Jesus, Jesus, right? Tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. Now, we live in America, so we don't know how this works, but way back, if we could have a way back machine and we could go to the first century, it was really bad. First of all, if you're a woman, you got nothing. If you were a son, and there were several two sons, if you had a $750,000 estate, the oldest son would get almost 500,000. The younger son would get 250,000. Fair, right? <laughs> All of you are giving me the look, like, that ain't fair. Okay, that's just how they did things. So the person asking the question is the younger brother, and we know a couple of things uh, by, uh, by him asking the question. We know, one, his father is in fact dead, and two, the estate's been settled. Tell my brother, right? Okay, so based on how Jewish law went. So verse 14, Jesus replied, friend, who made me a judge over you to decide such things as that? And then he said, beware. Guard against every kind of greed. Life isn't measured by how much you own. How'd you like to be the guy that asks a question that prompts Jesus to turn to everybody and go, hey, y'all need to not be greedy like that guy. I retract the question, Jesus. <laughs> I'll just take him to court. <laughs> okay, so, so greed, greed is one of those things that you, like pride, you can totally spot it in someone else in the first 15 minutes you know them. Like greed is just, it's that way. Oh, they're greedy. Mm. But looking in the mirror, it's hard. Like you, it's like you can't, it's like this house of mirrors thing. You can't tell whether or not you're greedy. You can't tell whether or not you're prideful. It's one of the weirdest things, the way, these, the way pride and greed works. So, so Jesus sees the greed in him right out the bat. And this word that's used here, every kind of greed, that word greed is actually this word uh, covetousness, uh, covetousness. And covetousness is a word that we don't use much today. It actually means this, wanting more 
of what you already have enough of. Covetousness, defined in the, in the wanting more of what you already have enough of. So if I'm on Zappos later today thinking to myself, right? Whoa, those Sperry topsiders are spot on. What am I? Covetous. <laughs> That's what I am, okay? So the younger brother wanted more of what he already had. He wanted more than what he already had. And Jesus calls him out for it. So Jesus launches into this story. He told them a story. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, what should I do? I don't have a room for all my crops. So Jesus tells a story to illustrate the greed thing. So a guy has basically a bumper crop. The way we would understand that is this guy knew some of the Google founders back when they were young kids and bought into Google when it was just an IPO before it went public. He's set. This guy is set. He doesn't need to worry. Forget Social Security and Medicare. He has no need of it. He's set, okay? Totally and completely set. He's done nothing wrong. He just happened to be right at the right place at the right time. Showers of blessing. And he's hit the heavenly jackpot. He has more than enough. So what does this guy do with it? And that's verse 18 and 19. He said, I know. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And then I'll have enough room to store all my wheat and other goods. And I'll sit back and say to myself, friend, You've stored enough for years to come. Take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. He hoards it. He hoards it. He doesn't share it. It doesn't go beyond him and his own family. So in other words, he views this windfall as something that's just for him and his family. He's now set like a perm. And Jesus accuses him of this Jesus accuses basically the guy in this story in just a moment of the same thing the younger brother had in posing the question. This guy is covetous, covetous, okay? Um, the type of barns that he builds too, by the way, these weren't easy breezy barns. The kind of barns we have in Kentucky, the old tobacco pole barns, cheap lumber, throw it up, it's there. Back in this day and time, these would have been stone granaries in the ground, lots of labor and expense to, to put these in right? So, so he's gone to big trouble to store all this stuff. Well, then Jesus chimes in uh, speaking for God and says, but God said to him, you fool, you'll die this very night, and who will get everything you worked for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. So what happens to the guy? He drops dead. He gets how much of it? How much does he get? Nothing. The same thing that all of us get in the end, right? When it comes to stuff. I don't know if you know this or if no one's told you, but when we matriculate into the next life, like it, you go in naked, just like you came into this life, nothing, <laughs> right? And so all of the stuff that we hold on to at the end of the day is just gonna go to someone else anyway. And that's an important thing to remember. I told this story a couple of years ago, and I want to tell it again because I just love history, and I love this story. Yusuf the Turk. Remember Yusuf the Turk? Some of you were here a few years ago, right? So Yusuf the Turk was this 
boxer, wrestler guy from Europe that was wrong. And so he challenged American wrestler Strangler Lewis to a match. And he came over from Europe to America. $5,000 cash prize, 1898. So it's a lot of money. He totally, boom, slams uh, Strangler Lewis. And he wins the match but he demands to be paid in gold coins. And he has a guy in New York where the match was done make him a special money belt that he could put over his shoulders to hold all these gold coins under his clothing. Well, he gets on a boat going back to Europe, and as irony would have it, some of you already know where this is going, as irony would have it, that boat sank. And as it was sinking, he fell overboard. Now, there were crew there ready to help him, but he sank so fast, they couldn't get a line or a buoy or anything to him. And so all those gold coins are where now? On the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean. Who got them? Nobody, like he got no part of that. We actually have an English idiom for what Jesus is talking about here. You've heard of this idiom, you can't take it with you. You can't take it with you. People who don't even know the name of Jesus will spout this. Man, I'm telling you, you can't take it with you, right? It, because it's true, right? Jesus is just saying stuff that's true, okay? So the rich guy in this story never realized that the extra he had wasn't just for him, wasn't just for his consumption, but it was an opportunity for him to be generous, just like God is generous with us. So I come back to the questions that I started off with. How much is enough? How many shoes are enough? How many computers are enough? How much is enough? I can't tell you. I'm not gonna be the Tony Campolo that stood up in the 80s and did the whole, if you own a Mercedes Benz, you're going to hell. That's too much, right? He did that and got in trouble for it, right? So I, I don't know where the line is. Well, Max, what if it's a 20-year-old Mercedes? You know, okay, I, I'm not gonna get into that. You're gonna have to figure that out with Jesus. How much is enough. I just know that for any of us in America, rich or poor, no matter what we consider ourselves, there are people in other parts of the world that are going, must be nice, must be nice, must be nice, and we're going to encounter them in the resurrected life because everybody's in the same place in the resurrected life, the people who have, uh, right, responded to the gospel and are part of Jesus, God's new family, right? So what, uh, how much is enough? And then the second question, what are you holding on to that in light of this passage, in light of Yusuf the Turk, in light of the fact that it's gonna to go to the kids or grandkids anyway, seems silly? What are you holding on to that seems a bit silly? So practical application for this, like how do you take this home? One thing I wanna point out is the more screen time you have, the more you're going to see what you don't have. The more screen time you have, the more you're going to see what you don't have. I don't know if you know this, but Facebook and YouTube aren't really free. They're not really free. Part of the way you pay for that is giving them information about yourselves so that they can show you some ads that are curtailed for your experience. What's it called? User experience. They wanna create a phenomenal user experience for you. <laughs> Which is why when I have my Facebook thing open, I search for Italian sports cars, vacations in the Turks and Caicos because I'm curtailing my ads so that I see some cool stuff, even though that's never gonna be part of my life, right? 
but you just need to, that's why, by the way, when you've, you know, mentioned to Alexa that you need shoes for this dress for this wedding, like ads pop up the next day. There's a reason for that, okay? I just wanna, but the more screen time you have, the more you'll see what you don't have. So you may want to limit your screen time, right? If that's an issue, you may wanna limit that. Um, the other way that you can do that, the opposite of screen time is putting yourself in proximity with those who have substantially less than you. I know I've said this before, but back when the food pantry was a distribution food pantry and it was only once a month and I was taking the shopping cart out to the client cars, at the time I was driving like an almost 20-year-old uh, 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 Mercury, right? And I, I would get into drive there thinking, man, this car is old. And I would drive away thinking what? Wow, I have such a nice car, right? It's amazing what that does. So putting yourself in proximity with people who have substantially less than you can do that. A second way that we can apply this principle and this truth that Jesus is talking about is sell it, give it away, lend it out. Um, there's somebody who has an idea for us as a church family in the new facility that everything that we're keeping will have a note card in the front that has a date and if we haven't opened the tub in a year, the tub goes where? Bye-bye. Do you know that the church paid $120 a month to store stuff? And because we're Americans and we just accumulate and accumulate, when it came time for us to move, do you know how much of that stuff we actually just threw away? Like 75% of it. And we were paying 100, like what could that $120 a month done, right? So. I just want us to start thinking about these kind of things. Sell it, give it away, lend it out. Um, for me, by the way, the lend it out thing is the way I know if something has power over me. If I ever own a kayak that I'm unwilling to lend out, the kayak is like the ring, right? <laughs> it's gonna corrupt my heart. If I ever have a car that I'm unwilling to loan out, like, so that's, you're gonna have to figure that out for you. I'm just saying for me, what I've learned is if I own something that I'm unwilling to lend out, that's telling, that's usually an issue for Jesus to do some work in my life, okay? That's just what I'm saying. Uh, the way that we can take it home, number three, because we're Americans, Everybody, you, you've got stuff that's coming in because of Amazon and then all your friends and family are putting stuff in your house. And if you're married to a teacher, let me tell you, it just comes in. It's like a gravity well. And then they change curriculum every year, but I might need that curriculum because they might come back to it in year five. Whoa! Okay, so I know the struggle. I live the struggle. You can come see my basement sometime. It's a struggle bus. But for my clothes, for my stuff, I've adopted a one-for-one -one replacement thing. So when I, buy, when I buy a new sport jacket on sale for like 20 bucks at Macy's clearance and it goes into my closet, I look at my sport jackets and I go, which one of you fellas is leaving? <laughs> <laughs> and I take one and it goes away. When I get a new pair of shoes, a new pair of shoes goes out. But clearly, I could do better with that one, right? And so you, you could adopt a one-for-one -one replacement uh, strategy when it comes to stuff. If something comes in, something goes out. And that can kind of help manage the flow. Because I'm just telling you, because you're Americans, it's just going to come in. It's going to come in. It's part of what it does. Uh, we, I was helping uh, unload Mindy's Ballet Studio, uh, tore everything down. There's all these trailers, and we're going to Edder Safe Storage. And we get there and we realize that no one has the code for Mindy's storage unit for this stuff that's stored for the Nutcracker. 
every single fella who was helping out that night was like, it's no problem. I've got a code because I've got a unit here and I'm storing stuff in storage, right? It was one of those moments where I was like, oh, light bulb, you know, <laughs> right? So adopt a one-for-one -one replacement strategy. And then if you want to get really radical, take a 30-day no new purchase challenge. For 30 days, I'm not going to buy anything new except for food because I can eat it and then it goes away, <laughs> right? And you may find that at day 15 or 20, if you've got the shakes, that's probably an indicator. Oh, okay, there's some room for Jesus to work here, okay, right? So you could take a 30-day no purchase challenge. Here's the thing. If you live long enough, you're gonna realize uh, that it was silly to keep a fair amount of what you had anyway. Uh, my grandma Vanderpool, unlike my mom's mother, whom I called Nana Angel, grandma Vanderpool was poor. She lived off the interest of a $30,000 set of CDs and Social Security. Basically nothing. She, she had nothing, okay? Every time you would go to her house, she was trying to give you something. And, I mean, significant things. Uh, the little Bible podium that Grandpa Vanderpool made. Uh, uh, once it was a ring. Hey, Mark, I want you to have this ring. This was your grandfather's. Um, it, he wore it all the time in the 1930s. It sits in a box in my dresser. I'm not, like, and so she just had this mindset of for the longest time. And so when it came time for her, because she couldn't live on her own anymore, like, there wasn't a whole lot to move from the house to the little apartment, right? She had already done her part in just handing it off and giving it away. I believe that the amount of stuff that we're holding on to as Americans is actually preventing us from enjoying life. Like for many of us, just managing our stuff, keeping up with our stuff, storing our stuff, tripping over our stuff, like it's just, we're not really able to enjoy life. And so I, as we wrap up this Financial Smarts silly, uh, series, I just wanted to remind you and me, at the end of the day, stuff is just stuff. <laughs> and you can't take it with you. And so just remember, it's just stuff and it's a tool. And if it's making your life harder, it's a good point to evaluate whether or not the stuff you have should stick around, right? So I wanna pray for us. We're gonna watch something and we've got some announcements to go through. Father, whoo, we realize that we came into this world naked and it's probably hard to think about that's how we matriculate into the next life, but here we are. So Father, we acknowledge that as Americans, we have a lot of things going for us and then we know we have some things working against us. Um, but we wanna live with greater freedom. We wanna be a generous people. Uh, we don't wanna be, we, just, we don't want stuff to be managing us. So Father, help us to see things with clarity. Help us to make wise decisions so that we can just be more free. And Father, uh, we don't want to be covetous. We know that we live in a country where you just drive down the street and you're looking at these homes and thinking, who can afford to live there? Like, you know, and the must be nice thing just hits and hits and hits. Father, we have so much. And we just acknowledge right now that even with what we have right now today with no raise or no anything extra or more, we're just, we're blessed. Wow, we have so much. Thank you. So Father, Give us eyes of faith this week, and I pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.